Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is the Weekly Standard's number cruncher extraordinaire, poll analyst, and uh, brilliant superstar, Jay Cost. Is that enough sucking up, Jay? I know we dragged that, that'll you. That'll do. We had to drag you out of bed before your usual 1 p.m. hour, so I wanted to okay. suck up to you for joining us. The carnage uh, last night for the Never Trump movement as Trump grabs nearly every delegate in New York State. All the Never Trumpers want to know, is it over? Does Trump now have a lock on 1237? No, it's not. Um, I think most people, I had been sort of hopeful based on the polling that Trump was going to get closer to 80 delegates. Um, but I think most people expected him to do, you know, really well. Um, it, it, it's just a good state for him. New York is just a good state. It's his home state. He's been a celebrity there for 30 years. Um, you know, and the demographics of the state fit right in with sort of right into Trump's wheelhouse. So it was just a good state for him. Moving forward, you know, Trump still has to win about 63% of all the available delegates to win the nomination on the first ballot, um, assuming he doesn't, you know, cajole any of the unpledged delegates. Um, so he still has a very tough road because you know he's going to have a good week next week but then the calendar swings really kind of swings against him we're going to go to um, indiana and then we're going to go to places like nebraska and montana and oregon and washington state those are not going to be good states for him um you know so and, and i think the conventional wisdom here which is is generally correct is that for trump to win uh, the nomination outright. He'll have to do very well in Indiana and California. Uh, if he does one or both, then, you know, maybe he can sort of, you know, get his way there by cajoling the unpledged delegates. But if he loses both, then I think he'll probably not make it. Uh, but there's one of the concerns that people have expressed is winning breeds winning. In other words, he has this huge win in New York and uh, people like me can point out that he only got 500,000 votes in his home state as opposed to Kasich, who got more than 900,000 in Ohio and Cruz got more than 1.2 million in his home state of Texas. In other words, there weren't that many Republicans at play. At play. We can point out over and over again that the states where he's uh, winning are states that Republicans are never going to carry. They're not really re reflective of the Republican Party the same way that, you know, Georgia and Texas aren't reflective of the Democratic Party. We can say that all day long, Jay, but will his winning breed more win? In other words, does it does does the uh, uh, no never Trump firewall break in Indiana and Nebraska and the West Coast because of his winning today? Well, that is certainly a concern. Um, I think that, you know, we haven't seen a lot of that in this race. Um, you know, we've seen instead a pretty flat, predictable um, outcomes in most states. Um, you know, so for instance, Ted Cruz has been on a hot streak and it didn't do him a lick of good last night. So, um, you know, but that of course is that, you know, that could change. That remains the concern. I would be more concerned about that happening in a place like Indiana uh, than a place like Nebraska. I think Nebraska is just a terrible terrible state for for trump i think he's going to do terribly there um i think cruz will win that hands down but you know indiana that's that's a that's a question that i think should be on everybody's mind is that you have yet new york last night and then you presumably he's going to sweep next week um it's not really going to do a lot to alter the essential delegate math 
but does it give him momentum into Indiana? Again, we haven't really seen momentum this cycle. Okay, then how about anti-momentum, which is Ted Cruz got so crushed last night. And if he does, if he gets crushed in, you know, with 15, 18% of the vote in, you know, next Tuesday, that it's not going to be a case of Trump having pause momentum. It's going to be people saying, well, Cruz is a, you know, I'm not wasting my vote on Cruz. He's this guy's going nowhere. Doesn't Cruz need to step up his game if he's going to stop Trump from getting 1237? Or is it irrelevant what Cruz does? I don't know if it's irrelevant. I think that a lot of it depends on just the basic demographic profile of Indiana. That Indiana is a much better look for the Never Trump coalition than New York or, you know, Maryland or Rhode Island or Connecticut. Um, you know, Cruz, you know, does he have to combat the perception that he's a he's a loser after next week? Yeah, he, he might have to. I mean, look, these are definitely complications and it's really hard to say for sure. I mean, we're we're so far off the grid in terms of, you know, past experience. I mean, who knows? But I'm curious about, on the one hand, I hear people saying Trump, uh, Cruz needs to broaden his appeal. And I get what they're saying. But Cruz, for a lot of people, only has one appeal, Jay. He's not Donald Trump. I mean, that's, in other words, if, if the guy with the uh, delegate success were, you know, Kasich or Christie or Carly or Walker or whoever, they'd be, you know what I'm saying, there'd be the same, we're just trying to stop Trump kind of thing going on. So I'm very nervous that there doesn't seem to be as much focus on just how awful Trump is as a nominee. I don't want Cruz selling Cruz. I want Cruz out reminding people, you nominate Trump and Hillary walks away with 48 states in November. Yeah, I I agree. Well, look, I mean, that was the argument that they made in Wisconsin and they made it very well. And I think that what maybe has thrown people is that there was a really kind of a conscious effort to take a pass on New York. There was very little effort that was put into New York. I mean, beyond an effort, you know, you know, Kasich, first of all, Kasich's out of money, so he couldn't really do anything anyway. But, you know, the cruise people, um, you know, just tried to target a couple couple spots here and there. Uh, they hardly spent anything on advertising um, so that anti-Trump message, there has been a real sort of pause button for the last two weeks on that. Uh, ho- hopefully it'll pick back up. I mean, I certainly think Indiana is going to be a very hotly contested race uh, when that gets picked up, uh, when that picks up. But do you agree um, with me that-, that that should be the approach rather than selling Cruz per se, the approach should be, dear Republicans, have you checked the last 50 polls? <laughs> And seen how Trump does. Have you seen that his negatives are literally two to one among all voters? And, you know, he's uh, 80% of black voters say he's unacceptable. Would you please look at Trump as opposed to trying to get them to talk about Cruz? Do you agree with that? I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, and I and and it was extraordinary last night. And I think it was a testament to the fact that the Never Trump campaign really took a pass on New York was, you know, they that in the that they asked people who's the most electable, who has the best chance to beat Hillary in November, and and New York Republicans said Trump, which was just extraordinary to me. And I, I think you're right, though. I think that you know, for people who are plugged in like you and me and the listeners of our of our podcast, you know, this is all sort of a no brainer. Um, but we're not the ones who are the swing voters in primary elections. You know, people who are barely plugged in, or you know, frankly, people who are watching. Hannity or listening to Limbaugh and getting a false impression about this guy's prospects in November. 
Um, we have to educate them. And the Cruz campaign and the Never Trump forces, are we have a real obligation. We have, a, we have an obligation to these voters. I mean, these voters are voting against their own interests. Um, and, you know, because, and they've been, I think they've been poorly served by the people that they rely on to provide them accurate and timely information about, you know, the proper political choices. And, you know, I don't, I don't think they've done that. I don't think that's happened. Um, and that puts a lot of pressure on the rest of us. And I think it puts pressure on the Cruz campaign and the, the sort of the stop Trump super PACs. And, and I'm hopeful that in, in Indiana, that they will bring everything they have, that they won't leave anything on the table. I mean, that certainly should be the game plan. But there's nothing next Tuesday. I mean, uh, you know, they can't make some progress in Maryland. They can't, you know, uh, fight it out in Pennsylvania more. It's Those are just, well, that's just the problem. The, the problem we have is that since we've gotten to the point now where this is a delegate battle, right? Um, and so, the, and, and a lot of it is just, I, unfortunately, comes down to a bang for your buck kind of thing. So Pennsylvania doesn't actually have that many delegates at stake on the, on the primary. Um, Maryland, you know, you can start trying to poach here and there in, 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 you know, the urban areas of Maryland, but then you're dealing with the very expensive media markets in Washington and Baltimore, and that's tricky. Um, and then you get the same problem up in Connecticut, you know, which is a state where, you know, maybe you can poach a handful of delegates, but it's not cheap to run television advertisements there. Um, and, and, and then Rhode Island is a straight up proportional. So that's not really worth your time. And Delaware is winner take all, but you know, you're dealing with the Philadelphia media market there. So it, it's an, it's an unfortunate sort of, you know, resource limitation thing that I think was also at play in, in, in New York, you know, uh, could, could the never Trump forces with unlimited resources have done better in right. New York? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they could have. Uh, but you know, the problem was, is that New York was, is just so gosh darn sure. expensive. Um, and you know, we kind of have that problem here when you take Baltimore, Washington, Philadelphia, and then Connecticut, all expensive media markets that, you know, and then on top of that, we're only talking about really a handful of delegates we're going to poach anyway off of him because he's going to win Connecticut. It's just a question of whether or not you you get five or six right. delegates off of him. Now, now, that all um, makes great sense. Let's go down to the last uh, question, which is the spin out of the uh, Trump team last night. Very smart spin was that, you know, uh, uh, Ted Cruz will be mathematically eliminated next Tuesday or he's eliminated today, whatever. The point is they're making the argument he's mathematically eliminated, which means that the election's over at that point, which is, uh, you know, of course, turning the process on its head. The, the election is over when someone crosses the 1237 finish line. Until someone crosses that finish line, it doesn't matter if someone, if one of the drivers is two laps or three laps or five laps ahead, what matters is, did you cross the finish line? Yes or no. But I think that because you don't hear many people making the counter argument, uh, Jay, I'm afraid that if that when the day comes that Cruz is mathematically eliminated, that's going to have an impact on voter behavior. Yeah, it's an unfortunate situation in that the, the Trump campaign has just been totally disingenuous about this process. Um, not surprising because it's Donald Trump and that's, you know, his M.O., uh, but they have totally misrepresented the nature of the process and their their friends and allies in the media um, 
you know, have, have done likewise. You know, if you listen, for instance, to Hannity's interview yesterday with, with Ted Cruz, it was, it, you know, the, the premise of his questions were, you know, very misleading. Um, and that's a challenge because the process is so arcane uh, and so Byzantine that it, it really, you know, it puts a kind of challenge on, you know, on the, on the cruise, on the cruise campaign. I, I think the good news is that, you know, I think people want to have a choice. So I think that Indiana is not just going to say, oh, I guess it's over because Trump said it's over. Um, and I don't think that process arguments really play very well with the public at large. So that makes me optimistic that that, that sort of talking point, because Trump has really been making that talking point since March 15th when he decided to stop debating altogether and it really didn't do him anything. Um, so, but, you know, look, there, and I think that you, you know, this question, you know, gets into your earlier questions about momentum and things like that. Momentum for Trump, anti-momentum for Cruz. Well, look, there are an enormous number of challenges um, facing, you know, the anti-Trump forces that you can't, you know, if you just do do sort of a demographic projection based on delegate math, you're not going to capture the nuances of these problems. I mean, it's this is a real challenge. Um, and, you know, look, I we weren't out of the woods. We, we weren't out of the woods when Trump won, lost Wisconsin. And we're certainly not out of the woods today. There is an enormous number of challenges. This guy is a huge threat. Um, to the party and to the conservative movement. And I, I wouldn't say that things got worse last night, but they certainly didn't get any better. Uh, and we will end on that uh, otherwise positive note. Uh, Jay Cox, <laughs> right. thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. My pleasure, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.